Thank you for listening to CG Life with Steve Quartz. It's my hope that today's message will help you find and live the extraordinary life Jesus gives. After listening to this podcast, I'd like to invite you to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for more updates and resources. He is the God of grace who keeps His promises, and He is worthy of His name. Let's take our Bibles and turn this morning to John chapter 1. We return to the prologue, that famous prologue of uh, that famous gospel. And as we've seen already in those first 18 verses, John is doing something that is absolutely critical for him. He's seeking to answer the question, who is Jesus? And he launches his gospel by bringing right at the very beginning, right at the very start, his biggest and his boldest discoveries about Jesus. And he says effectively to his readers as they dive into this gospel, he says to them, Jesus is unlike anyone you've ever met, ever seen, or ever known. He is not what I expected, and if you will stay with me through this book, if you will stay with me through this gospel, I guarantee you, he will not be the one that you expect to find. I want to introduce you, he says in short, to the unexpected Jesus. Now, we've seen that in this prologue, while John is doing something that is actually impossible for a human being to do, introduce God, uh, God is helping him here. But what he does is he uses a mechanism, he uses a device that is common to us and that is familiar to us. He uses a uh, mnemonic device that uh, we can use and really should use when we want to introduce one person to another or introduce ourselves to, to another person. And that device is this. We saw it last week. It is understanding the name, the game, the story, and the glory of the person that we're meeting. By name, we mean those, that word or those words by which they're identified or even broader, their reputation. By game, we mean what they have done or what they are doing with their lives, their vocation or even their avocation, whatever they have invested their lives with that distinguishes them, helps us to know them. We, we also, this also includes their story, that is to say, where their life's journey has taken them uh, to this point. So from the beginning to the end, what's your story? Where have you been? What have you done? With whom have you done it? That's what we need to know. And finally, their glory is essentially what they've done that has made a difference in the lives of others. How have they left their mark? And it could be almost anything, but every life has some distinguishing something it has contributed. We need to know that if we're going to know others. So we need to know their identity, their activity, their history, and if you will, allow me, their majesty. And knowing these things is the foundation from which 
every human relationship actually begins. So we shouldn't be surprised that these are the very facts that John presents and rolls out in the first 18 verses of his gospel. He gives us Jesus' name in verses 1 and 2. We saw that. It is the Word, the Word, the uh, Word that was present before creation. Secondly, he reveals Jesus' game in verses 3 to 5, and that is his life or his love of life. He is about life, the life that comes with light. He gives life, and then he gives the light we need to live that life. Telling the essence of Jesus' story is what he's about in verses 6 to 12, and then unpacking Jesus' glory is what he's about in verses 13 to 18. And again, what John is doing here is he's saying, I want you to stay with me. I want you to stay with me. Here's my introduction. Let me introduce you to Jesus. And then I'm hoping that because you will understand the uniqueness of who he is, you will stay with me to the very end. Now, today, today, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 13 and the story of Jesus. This is what John says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone. His message, his witness was, this true light was coming into the world. He was in the world. The light was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet, and still the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Now, I want you to notice something with me right from the outset. Look at the difference between verses 1 to 5 and verses 6 to 13. In verses 1 to 5, we have a picture of the pre-existent, present, personal word of God before there was something called time. From verses 1 to 5 to verse 6, a radical shift happens. We go from eternity to time. We go from eternity to history. John is now telling the story of Jesus, the human story of Jesus in human history. And he gives us then in those verses, verses 6 to 13, an overview of Jesus' story in human history. And um, if you will, verses 6 to 13 are kind of like a movie trailer. Uh, if, you, if you have ever been to the movies, what you get for the first 30 minutes, they tell you to be, you know, to be there at, at you know, 2 o'clock, and then for 45 minutes, they show you trailers. And you're going, I paid for this. Now, it's funny, at my house, um, this is pre-COVID, but at my house, if uh, Cheryl wanted me to go with her to a movie, I mean, she is wonderful and delightful, but if we aren't there for the trailers, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. I don't care about the trailers. I, I don't care a thing about the trailers. I, I don't care. I, I mean, most of them aren't worth watching from my perspective, you know, 
But what's happening is the movie producer or the promoters are trying to interest you. They're trying to, to get you excited about a movie they're about to release. And so they're teasing you with that trailer. I mean, it's, you got trailers on Netflix and, and Amazon Prime too. I mean, we use those, we use those to say, well, do I want to watch this or not? So this is kind of like these, these verses six to 13 are like a trailer. And John is saying, look, this is what you're going to see. And of, of course, this is the right thing for any witness of Christ to do because stories are powerful, right? They grab our attention. We love to hear them when, when they're told well. It's the only way you can explain this billion dollar, these billion-dollar industries that are built chiefly around novels and movies and miniseries. If, if a story is fictional, fictional, and it is told well, even that story has power because it, it can be inspirational. It can cause us to reimagine how our lives might be. But if the story we're hearing is a true story, it's not merely inspirational. That story can be transformational and it can cause us to see our lives as they really can be. A, a fictional story shows us our life as it perhaps could be. A, a, a true story shows us life as it really can be. And this story, John says, that I'm about to tell is a true story. It can transform. I'm not writing just to inspire you. I'm writing to see your life transformed. It changed my life. And that's why I'm so eager to share it with you. Now, I thought how, how to present this trailer to you, these, these verses. And, uh, I think I find in it three chapters. Is that fair? Can, can I have a short story with three chapters? Is that good? Is that good? Is that good? Is that really good? That's really good. Good. I'm, I thought so too. I'm glad we're in agreement. Three chapters and here they are. A new story, an old story, a better story. How's that for three good chapters? I bet you could remember that. A new story, an old story, a better story. Very good. Now, for those who don't know about Jesus and for those who do, this overview actually gives a picture that can be, of what can be and, and what will be. And so it's so very powerful. So let's dive in. Let's dive in. Let's look together at John's introduction to the story of this unexpected Jesus. So let's look, first of all, at chapter one and see how the words true story becomes a new story, how the words true story becomes a new story. Therefore, or there was, verse six, a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that he might, uh, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Now, you'll notice that John begins his story, as all good writers do here, he gives the setting of the story. He shows us its main characters apart from the word whom he's already introduced. Those main characters are in order, a man named John, God the Father, and all humanity. So he begins with a man also named as he is, John. One whom the other gospel writers know and identify as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer to be more accurate. He was a cousin of Jesus, he was a preacher's son, was given the role of the last of the Old Testament prophets. He was rough. 
He was plain talking. His message was simply this, repent. God's Savior is coming. Judgment is near. Get ready. God's Savior is coming. Judgment is near. Get ready. Repent. Repent. Change direction. Now, this John was famous in Palestine, and some thought he actually was himself the Messiah prophesied to come, despite the fact that he denied it. Now, John, our, the apostle writing this gospel, knows that, and so he says very little about John except this. He says this was his work. You'll notice this in the passage. His work was to bear witness or to give evidence that God's Messiah, the light, has come. The light that gives life has come. His focus, Jesus. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the light who was promised. His purpose, that all kinds of people might believe that Jesus of Nazareth was this Christ through his witness. So John the disciple or John the apostle makes the point that John the baptizer wasn't the light, but he was necessary. He was uh, a reflector of the light, but he wasn't the light. He was a pointer to the light. He was one who saw his job as pointing to Jesus so that Jesus could do his job of drawing men to himself. Jesus said, do you remember? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men into myself. I will, I will draw people. Point to me, I'll draw them in. Point to me, I'll draw them in. Your job as a witness, point to him. His job as the Savior, draw them in. Point, draw. That means that you and I are the pointers, we're not the drawers. You and I are the pointers, and we're not the drawers. You and I are meant to be reflectors. If we're followers of Jesus, we're meant to be, like John, reflectors. We are not the light. We are reflections of the light. Our job is not to shine so much as our job is to reflect the one who does. Does that make sense to you? We are to reflect like John reflected. We are to point like John pointed. Now, I want to pause and say something here, and I really do need to keep moving, but if you're a believer, you're a believer because somebody was for you a pointer, aren't you? Aren't you? Somebody pointed you. Am I right? Yes, I am right. <laughs> I look forward to Sundays just to hear you tell me I'm right because all the rest of the week I'm told I'm wrong. Maybe that's the only, well, no, no, I was going to say this. Maybe that's the only benefit of being a pastor is that on one day you get to be told you're right. Uh, every time else is wrong. Anyway, anyway, we, uh, our, our, our job or who we are has, has been uh, in Christ has been made a reality because somebody pointed us to him. Somebody, watch, watch now, somebody reflected him to us. And, and there is not a believer in this room who, who cannot just pause for a moment and find at least one person who was a pointer, one person who was a reflector. One person, though they were not perfect, were so very faithful that even in spite of their imperfections, the light of Jesus came shining through, and it was so brilliant. You were challenged, forced, encouraged, moved, motivated to look past that person to the one who made 
the light real Jesus. Am I right? Thank you. Yeah. Now, can I say this to you, loved ones? And then we really do have to move on. But can I say this to you, loved ones? Look, there is relief in this, and, and, and there, there's a real heavy responsibility in this. The relief is I don't have to be the drawer. I'm just the pointer. And when I share the gospel, when, when I point people to Jesus, I, I'm simply responsible for the pointing. It is a, a work that he does to draw them. So conversion is not my business. Conversion is not my business. Evangelism, sharing the gospel, that's my business. Pointing. And that takes a lot of burden off. That takes a lot of burden off. It's important that I point and let him draw. Now, the way we point is ultimately through the gospel, but we start pointing by letting people know whose we are and sometimes that's, that can be accomplished in, in as simple a way as saying, I'm praying for you, which is to say, hey, I believe in a power greater than you and me who is active and involved in this world, and I'm praying for you. And I'm, I'm actually hoping you're going to ask me why, and I'm actually hoping that you're going to inquire who it is I'm praying to. And even if you don't, I'm going to plant that seed because I'm going to talk about him with you one day. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep pointing. But there's relief there. I'm just called to point. I'm not the Savior. I'm a pointer to the Savior. But there is, let me go on and say this, a heavy responsibility because here's the reality. Every single one of us in this room who is a believer, we're pointing at something with our lives whether we realize it, recognize it or not. Your job is to point, but your job is to point to Jesus. And the real question becomes, am I? With, with, with the way I live my life, with the words that I use, with the attitude that I show, I'm pointing to something. I'm pointing to someone. And I am saying with my life, my words, my attitudes, my action, I am saying to my children, I am saying to my co-workers, I am saying to my spouse, I am saying to my neighbors, this is important, this is what, what's uh, worth living for. Do you see? Do you hear? We're all pointing at something. And our best pointing comes at the place where our love shows up and shows out the most. What are you pointing at? I mean, if I were to come with you or to follow you or track you or... trail you or watch you, somebody can't find their phone. <laughs> it's a church. Why aren't you in church? Somebody bring me the phone now. <laughs> hey, hello. This is the pastor. 
Uh, yeah, I'm preaching right now. Where are you? Uh, look, I've got good news for you. Second service, 1045. I'll keep your phone till you get here. How's that work? Pretty good, huh? That's good because I've forgotten where I was exactly. All right, well, this is fun. Oh, pointing, pointing matters is basically what I'm saying. What you point to with your life, it shows what really matters. It's a heavy responsibility. I don't know why, but, but look, moms and dads, grandparents, you've really, really, really got to be careful about what you're pointing at. Because they will pick up on whatever you lay down. I almost feel like I'm preaching for little lives still being formed right now. You are showing them and telling them what is important. You're showing them and you're telling them what really brings life and what is really the source of light by whatever it is you're pointing to. Maybe one of the worst things we could ever do is say we, Jesus is the life and the light and then live our lives pointing at something else. You want a confused child? That's what you do. Okay. All right. We aren't getting very far today, are we? All right, let's, 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 let's hurry our way through this. So uh, the first character is John, John the baptizer. He was a reflector. He was a pointer. He was a witness. The next character in Jesus' story is God the Father. He says that this man, John, was sent from God, and this is key. The story of Jesus that John is introducing is God's story. He, he is the author. He is the writer. And John's coming to point to Jesus is according to God's plan and God's purpose and his larger story of the redemption of the world and the people in it. God's back of all that we're reading about here. This is a God thing, not a man thing. Third, the last character really includes all the people in this world. They are the all that the passage speaks of, whom John hopes will believe, verse 8, through his, his witness. But now I said this was a new story. This is perhaps the most important point. Look at verse 9. What's new here? God had sent prophets before. John is just another prophet. God had worked before to give his life and light uh, and put it in the world. He did that at creation. So the world is long needed the life and light God gives since the fall. So what is new here? What is new here? The newness is found in verse nine. John says, the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming. And this is the key phrase into, into the world, into the world. If you have your Bible, you've got still paper, you're analog, you're not digital. Underline that word into, underline that word into, uh, that long thing is called a pen. Use it, a pencil, use it. Into, 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 
into. The true light, the authentic light, the real light, the, the light that shows things as they really are. This light is coming into the world. Uh, I'll never forget a couple of years ago, I was, um, I was going to do a wedding in, uh, I believe, Stokes County. And uh, anybody here from Stokes County? Uh, okay, good. We're glad you're here. Good. Uh, love Stokes County. But I got lost there once. I, I, I was on my way to a wedding I was supposed to do, and I got lost. And it wasn't my fault because I had said, you know, I had pulled out my smartphone, which was not so smart that day, and put in the address I was given. And I traveled, and I traveled, and I traveled, and I traveled, and I started to get a little worried, and then said, I finally arrived, and I looked around, and it was the most rundown old farm I'd ever seen, and I thought to myself, poor couple. <laughs> this poor couple. It, not only is it hard to get here, uh, the roads are terrible, and the place, well, it, it's bad. And then I started to look around, and there was nobody else there, and I said, poor couple. I'm the only one here. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, poor me. <laughs> and then I thought, poor couple, because I'm supposed to be wherever they are, and I'm not where they are, and yet Google Maps is telling me I'm here, and I'm not here. Those who are wandering in darkness needed to see a great light. I was driving in darkness, and I was not in the right place. By God's grace, the phone, the phone part of the smartphone, uh, I guess the dumb part of the smartphone still worked. And uh, I called someone that I knew was supposed to be at the wedding and they said, oh yeah, it's been happening to everybody. You need to get a new map. I said, you're telling me. <laughs> you're telling me. Do you, do you see what John is actually saying here in this verse? Now, if you'll allow me to say it this way, let me say it this way. Jesus is the only true map, the only reliable GPS system available. There are a lot of things that call themselves maps, that call themselves light, that say they will get you to a point called life. They never do. There is a true light, only one true light. That, that true light has no varieties. There's just one. It's the only light that will enable you to really see. And that, that light that when it comes and shines, that light, John actually is saying, and we'll unpack further for us later, is a light that brings a kind of judgment because it penetrates the darkness and reveals the darkness and shows us who we really are, where we really are, and if you will, the mess we're really in. The true light, which enlightens everyone, is coming into the world. The same creative, life-giving, and light-shining word that worked on the world to create it and give life and light to humanity has now done something he's never done before. This is the new part. The word that worked on the world to give life with light has become the word that works directly in the world to restore the life and the light that had been lost. So there is added to the ancient story of the word working on the world a new story of the word working in the world to remake it. 
And here then is the new story. It's the story of a fresh, radical intervention of God, the eternal God, into human history. The work of the Word became a work in the world. And this matters because you and I desperately need the power of a new story. Our old story is persistent and problematic and poisonous. It is dark and deadly. Into our world, God spoke a new story by sending his son, the word. Which explains chapter 2, if you will. Look at verses 10 to 11. A second chapter that records the new stories clash with an old story. John says, he was in the world and yet the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Have you noticed we human beings are curious beings? On the one hand, we hate change and we love for things to stay the same so that we can feel safe and secure. On the other hand, we crave variety because sameness Though comforting is eventually boring, and we can't stay bored for very long. Variety, as the old adage goes, is the spice of life. But here's the truth about you and me. The great tragedy of humanity and its story is that it really has no variety in it at all. No spice. It's the same story told over and over and over again using different names for people acting in the same old ways. I'm just going to use a living example right now. The war in Ukraine is unspeakably tragic, but it is not new. Putin is unspeakably ruthless and evil, but autocrats and demagogues like him have been shedding blood for centuries. The story is not new. With Putin's nuclear threats aimed at the U.S., we find ourselves faced again with this old sorry story of human selfishness and the human drive to exalt self and prove self, prove what we're worth, prove what we can do, regardless of the cost of, uh, to others. This is the same old story. And ultimately, we human beings keep repeating the same old story and, and keep getting the same sorry endings. Danger, destruction, death, despair. Why? Well, because the coming of the true light into the world, verse 9, the true light which enlightens every man, and the human response to it, see verses 10 to 11, are doing a kind of dance. The coming of the true light mentioned in verse 9, the coming of the real, authentic, genuine truth by which real life is found and lived and lived well, immediately confronts the darkness in us and our response to it, as John records it, explains why we're in the constant trouble we're in. True light, available to Jesus, available to all in Jesus, coming for all in Jesus, is neglected and it is, re and it is uh, rejected. Look at verses 10 and 11. Verse 10 says that when the word arrived in the world he'd made, when he came into the world of people, the ones that, to whom he gave life, they simply wouldn't know or wouldn't acknowledge him again. They neglected him again. It's the same 
old story. God came, gives life, walks in the garden. Adam and Eve neglect him. Adam and Eve, his own chosen people, reject him as well. Look at verse 11. The scripture says Jesus came to the people who are his own. He came to the Jews. He came to his own place, a sacred place, a city on which he, he had put his name. He came to his own people. He came to his own place. They rejected him. Same old story. Neglect, reject. Neglect, reject. And the old story just kept repeating itself again and again. The world should have been watching for him and should have welcomed him because he is the source of life now. God's own people should have anticipated him, should have known the signs of his coming. No. He wasn't the Savior they wanted. They reject him. So this is an old, old story repeating itself. All of the Old Testament is about this. Neglect and reject. Neglect and reject. Neglect and reject. God loving God neglected, God rejected. And so the new comes in Jesus. And even among those who should have known better, the Jews, the Jewish leaders, they loved the idea of a Christ coming to save them, but they didn't love the person of the Christ whom God sent for them. The creation neglected the creator. The lover loves and the loved rejected their lover. Same old story. Jesus explains it in John 3 where he says, darkness is our, our default preference. He says, when, he says the light has come into the world and People love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, doesn't come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. This is the heart of the human problem. Your problem, my problem, it's at the heart of our old human story, begun at creation, repeated again and again and again, and repeated even with the coming of the word as light into the world. So Jesus' story is the story of a new work of God met with the same old tragic story of people rejecting him, even those who knew better. And honestly, I've got to tell you, as far as trailers go, this is pretty lousy if you stop right here. It's like God has come again, and this is what he got. But then actually... All you English and lit majors out there know that there has to be a little conflict so there can be some resolution. Tell your neighbor you need some resolution. You need some resolution. I guarantee you they've got conflict. All God's children got conflict. You need some resolution. Watch this, watch this. Look with me at chapter 3 and how the word's true story becomes a better story. As Jesus, the true light, appears in a dark world, 
He challenges and exposes the darkness into which he comes. And while the tragedy of the human rejection continues, something noteworthy also happens. For some, for some, for some, John says, look at verses 12 and 13. For some, the old story gets shut down in its tracks. The neglectful stop neglecting. The rejecting stop rejecting. For some, the old story gets shut down in its tracks. And so to the ongoing tragic story of hatred of the light and rejection, there is a, added a better story. And we go from tragedy to triumph. There are those who see the true light and come to love it and come to love him and come to receive him. And when they do, watch this, their story changes. Their story meets his story and their old story becomes new and his new story becomes theirs and their story becomes a better story. I love this because this is the best part of the trailer. John is saying, keep watching because here's the reality. You can live a better story. Oh, man. You can live a better story. You can live a better story. We all know what it's like to live in the darkness, to stumble around, to trip, to fall, to think you know where you're going and wind up somewhere else. We all know what it's like to live our lives, suddenly stop, pause, and look back and say, how did I get here? How did I become this person? How did I do those things? We all know what it's like to live in the darkness. We all know what it's like to discover that the light we thought was light was really darkness after all. We thought we'd plugged it in. We thought we'd used the right app. We thought we'd put in the right address. We wound up at the wrong place only to discover our map was the wrong map. Our app was the wrong app. And GPS wasn't working. It's not something we could fix. Something God had to fix. Old stories can't be made better unless God gets involved. Somebody say amen. Because I'm preaching up here and I, you shouldn't be sleeping. Amen. Thank you for that one too. See, they just keep coming. That's good. Old stories don't change till God gets involved. Old stories can't change till God gets involved. John says, but to all who did receive him, verse 12, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
Those whose story turns from rejection to reception, to receiving the light and believing in his name, when they begin resting in his merits, resting in his achievements, resting in his purposes, resting in him, rather than resting in themselves, something happens. An old story. I couldn't change, get changed. <laughs> John says they receive and experience a particular right or privilege, and that privilege is to become children of God, not by human will or decision, but by divine action, where they experience what Jesus later calls a new birth from above. Do you see? The original creator comes. He makes a new creation. The original creator comes. He brings a new story. He writes a new story. He writes a new story to replace the old stories. And with the coming of God's new story into our old stories, what John is saying is, and this is the apex of his trailer. When the new story of God meets the old story of humanity, the old story of humanity can be changed because darkness does not get to have the last word. The light gets to have the last word. Jesus gets to have the last word. Because Jesus is the eternal word. Darkness does not get to have the last word in the great story of God and his creation. No, God speaks, light comes, the light shines, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Some say that the greatest message is that love wins. I say no. The greatest message is light wins. Light wins. And where light wins, life wins. And life wins. Because Jesus is the word. In Jesus, old stories pass away. In Jesus, new stories come to stay. Old stories of tragedy are turned into new stories of triumph. Loved ones, when the new story of Jesus meets the old story of us, and we receive him and he receives us, a better story comes because light always comes gets the last word. So the next time you're transfixed by your favorite news channel and your blood pressure is going up, and you're talking to that screen like it's a real human being that can hear you. 
and you're a follower of Jesus, my message to you is gather yourself up. Gather yourself up. And remind yourself, the darkness never gets the last word. Jesus does. Maybe you need to put that on your flat screen. You think I'm kidding. You say, but I won't be able to see. That's the whole point. You're probably seeing too much of the wrong thing. When the new story of Jesus meets the old story of us, a better story comes because light always gets the last word. Oh, my. Oh, my. So, what does this mean for you? I guess it means a couple of things here. Regardless of who you are, it means you are a storyteller. Telling your own story as you live your life day by day. One of your greatest freedoms that God has given you is the freedom to write your own story. It's also one of the greatest burdens you will ever bear because you only have one chance to tell your story, page after page and day after day. And your life's blank book or your e-tablet or whatever it is you use to write with, write on. In God's economy, doesn't come with a pencil and an eraser. It comes with a permanent marker. It means realizing that the pages appear, they're written on, and they cannot be revised, revisited, or redone by you. It means acknowledging that you're free to write the story of your life, but whatever you write stays written. And for all of us, without exception, the story we've told is never the story we really wanted to tell. Every life has some good. But in the end, all of our stories by themselves are just repetitions of the same old stories human beings have always told. We need, I need, you need a new story, the story only Christ can tell, the story of a new story come in the midst of the old making a better story. If you live by the old story, if you live by your own light, if you live by your own truth, you will get the same old ending humanity has always gotten, death and darkness. I'm not a prophet or son of a prophet, but I absolutely guarantee that is what will come. There is only one light. 
There are no varieties of light. There is only one light. Jesus is that light, and we do not have the light to be able to see. But if you link your story to his story and live by the true light he gives, you will get a new story and an ending that is infinitely better. Every old story made new begins with a true story made better. When the old new meets the old. And God says, let there be light. And the light appears. Sin is owned. Grace comes. A right is given, a privilege unearned to become his children, not by our will or desire or choice, but by his. <laughs> Suddenly, I find I have a new identity. I have a new certainty and I have a new activity. My new identity is child of God. My new certainty is I'm loved with an everlasting love. My new activity is to become what he's made me, his child. More and more, day in and day out, living in the light that he is and the light that he's brought. Living out a new story, better story than I could ever live myself. So what do I do? Tell him. I want a better story. Let me speak to two groups as I come to a close. First, let me speak to believers. You say, I believe that and I believe in. I say, good. Good. I'm glad. You're his. If you truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God, and you've placed your life on him and rest in him, you belong to him. I want to ask you, yes, what are you pointing to and what are you reflecting, but, but I think to go just a little deeper before we close this, what story are you really telling? Is it really new or are you back to telling some of the same old story? Bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, jealousy, selfishness. Come on. That's your old story. Get out of that old story. Darkness doesn't get to have the last word in your life. 
far better goal for you is let light have the last word. Let light have the last word today. When you go to bed, let light have the last word. Live in such a way light gets the last word. Some of us who are followers of Jesus, we need, forgive me for this, I'm sorry for this, 2022, we need an old-fashioned revival. You say, well, yeah, well, that sounds like you're screaming and yelling and throwing things at us. No, what I mean is, we need a fresh return to the living God, to the light of God, to the truth of God. We need a fresh return to all that he is, all that he has, and all that he offers. We need a fresh yes to the light of God shining in our lives. We need to live letting the light have the last word. For some of you, you're here today, you've been trying to live by the light of some other app, some other false GPS system, and here's the reality. You're in this room today because you know the maps you've been using and the directions you've been getting, they aren't taking you anywhere good. And you heard perhaps that maybe, maybe, maybe Jesus could get you to where you need to be. And I will say he can, and he does. To all who receive him, who all who will believe in his name, to them he gives the right to become children of God. To them he gives life without end. To them he gives life that is new. To them he says... Let there be light and the darkness flees. And the old stories pass away and the new comes. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed all across the room, here is my question to you this morning. What's the state of your story? Who are you resting in, trusting in? When your children look to you, hear from you. When your neighbors look to you, hear from you. Who do they see? What do they see? What does your life say matters most? What's getting to have the last word in your life? Is it the light of Jesus? Or is it something else? I haven't done this in a long time, and this is not on script, so my apologies to everybody who owns scripts. But if today your life needs to be made new, if today your old story needs to become a new story,
And if perhaps today your old story's been made new, but you've been ending your day letting darkness have the last word because of something unresolved, undealt with in your life, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to come. The altar is open. The way is clear. I'll be here. If today would be the day you would see Jesus change your story. I've been vaccinated, hyphenated. I'm pretty safe. But I would love to meet you here. But believers, there are issues some of you have that you don't need to bring to me. You need to bring to Jesus. And the altar. Along the front of this room, a place to come and pray. To say, God, I'm... I want your light fresh to shine in my life. I want you shine. I invite you to come. 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 the room I invite you to come I invite you to come I invite you to come let the light shine in the darkness I invite you to come I invite you to come more neglect no more rejecting invite you to come say yes afresh to holiness yes afresh to forgiveness yes afresh to peace Yes, afresh. To patience, to the love. Yes, afresh to his joy. Yes, afresh to the role of a husband or a father who, who, whose children are watching him. Yes, you say yes to light today. Not, not, not yes to darkness. Dads, where are you, dads? Moms, they're watching. They need for you to say,
Darkness does not get to have the last word. I say yes. of the world God of the second chance the God who speaks and what isn't comes to be the God who speaks and light comes and separates the darkness God of life, God of light, how we need you, how our hearts hunger for you. There is no one like you. There's no one who can heal us like you can heal us. No one who can restore us like you can restore us. There is no light like your light. There's no life like your life. There's no hope like the hope you give. No strength like the strength you share. No purpose better, greater than being yours, being called your child knowing we're loved, kept safe, and on our way home. God of light, how we love you. God of life, how we need you. Precious Jesus, we bow before you. Thank you. Thank you. Your light always has the last word for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoy these podcasts, take a moment to rate and review CG Life with Steve Kortz. My prayer is that God will continue to inspire and challenge you in Christ as week by week we apply the gospel faith to real life.